Season's going to end on a double doink, 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 doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know that idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why it's funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know that idea. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. It is a terrible Tuesday in so many ways that you just don't know. Isn't that right, Numchuck? <laughs> As he pulls out his microphone. One thousand percent right now. <laughs> if people could only see us right now, right? It would be great. All right. You don't need to do play-by-play. That's quite. I'm a- not doing play-by-play. You notice I'm not doing play-by-play. <laughs> I'm just letting you plug in what you need to plug in. Yeah, I'm plugging in. You know what they said? I've got high T. I don't have low T. I've got high T. But you know what I got in my system right now? I got sweet tea. Oh, sweet tea. Some Freddy sweet tea? I got some Freddy sweet tea. Oh. No Georgia sweet tea, but yes. But TC has got low T. TC high tea. I got high T- tea. TC low tea, high tea, sweet tea. Yeah, I love it. Whoa! I said that really fast. No, I I just got back. You know, getting my my Hall of Fame cut. Yeah. And uh, she goes, man, your hair's really growing fast. I go, that's because I got high tea. It's better than having low tea or no tea. I want to be a smart ass right now so bad. And then I said, baby, I got sweet tea. I want to be a smart ass so bad. Go ahead. It's terrible Tuesday. You should have said what hair. Ooh. Oh, ooh, ooh. sorry. There's hair that grows. I know. Believe it or not. I know. Glad to have you with us here on a terrible Tuesday. Plenty of rants. It look, looks like it's already starting. Oh, it already has. It's starting at me, too. That's not the way it's supposed to go here. All right. Uh, today, we are going to bring on some Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers, uh, new inductees this year in the class of 2024 that our event will be happening in Sactown at beautiful Thunder Valley Casino, our home there. And uh, we are back. And uh, James Donaldson and Nick Johnson will join the show today. Nick Johnson, great baseball career, 12 years with the uh, New York Yankees and the Washington Nationals, just to name a few. So uh, we'll talk some baseball with Nick. One of the uh, the best hitters that the game saw during uh, his time when he played in his 12 years of Major League Baseball. And then on the NBA side, James Donaldson, who has joined us before. We're going to have J.D. on today. 20 years of uh, playing professional basketball, 14 of those years uh, in the NBA. Uh, had a great career, all-star with the Dallas Mavericks, Utah Jazz back in the day. So he'll join us today. So uh, we'll get some uh, some good story time in with that. And some good up close and personal uh, chit chat uh, with those two uh, soon to be Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers at our event coming up on Sunday night. All right, so we got that, and of course it is Super Bowl time. We've got to wait the two weeks. You know, I'm not a fan of the two week thing. I mean, we play every week, and I say this every time at this year. I'm just not, you know. I always feel the game like loses its luster. It really does. It does. It it, it needs to be this week. You know. And I understand they want to have all these little get-togethers and all of those BS that they've got going on in Vegas right now. Oh, oh! speaking of get-togethers. What is there, like a thousand, I heard? Like a thousand things from now until Super Bowl? So, speaking of that, um, I don't think I've shared this with you. You know, my email's been blowing up. Yeah. Been, I, I think email, shared, text yeah, message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So mostly the emails. Um, because we'll be doing the show from Radio Row next week. And I'm getting bombarded, which is cool, but it's just so busy for me right now. It's like, Oh my goodness. And I got to respond to, to these emails that, um, they're offering up guests for radio row. Ooh. Yeah. So, and I enjoy the, like the radio row part, like, especially when we do the boxing, you know, when we do a major fight and we're there and that's kind of cool because, We'll sit there and, you know, we'll schedule guests. But then again, you'll see like an Evander Holyfield and walk in. It's like, hey, Evander, come here. Yeah, come on. Exactly. So Super Bowl Radio Row is like that as well, too, where you've got that guy's rolling around. So that's where the G-Man comes in big. 
All right. That's G Man's role. G Man's going to be grabbing. Yeah. Hey, come here. He's going to be grabbing. Exactly. But they're trying to schedule as many people as you can, you know, in advance. Yeah. That's great. I have had everything from, um, let's see, foodies. Okay. Because as you know, with Super Bowl, they tie in so many different food events. Yeah. Taste testings, all of that stuff. Uh, with these gourmet chefs, all right? So, hey, how would you like to have this person on or this person on and that sort of thing? Yeah. Okay. And I haven't heard of more than half of them, but some, of course, I have. Yeah. And then there's some musical artists as well, too. So I'm going, okay, I'm a little intrigued with that. Got one uh, regarding Cedric the Entertainer yesterday. Said would be fun. Said would be fun, right? Said would be fun. Said would be good because they're doing the soulful celebration a concert that will be happening at the Palms. So as you mentioned, you have all of these events spread out through Las Vegas during the week of the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you've got all that stuff going on and you get invites to 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 go and all this other stuff. So between some 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 cooking, some free food, some demonstrations, that, some concerts, other things, and then there's like you like this one. Uh I've got a health and safety tour of Elysian Stadium invitation. Health and safety tour. <laughs> right, right. Are they, they going to show you every single first aid kit? I, I don't know what that means. You I don't should, know. You, you should like respond and be like, do I get to see all the first aid kits? So re- remember when they built T-Mobile Arena? Yeah. I got invited over to, hey, we're almost done with T-Mobile Arena. They did the same thing with Elysian Stadium. Eric, come on over and we'll give you a tour. Well, that was cool. But I knew something was up when they said, okay, you're going to meet, you know, outside underneath the forklift or next to the forklift. I'm going, okay. And they gave us all hard hats. Yes. And we're, you know, and the vest, like the yellow, the did, orange Did you vest. at least get to keep them? No. Oh, yeah, had, come had on. Turn, had, had it turned in. And because they were not completely done with the construction of those venues, so we got that. So I had the flashback today of that, of like, hmm. Uh, this is uh, the health and safety. Why? You know, I get it. Every organization wants to do something, be involved, and get their name or their organization out there. I get that. But a health and safety tour? You know what you should do for the health of Allegiant Stadium? Yeah. You should get, this is a big thing for us, the temperature inside. Oh. The thermostat. Oh. What is that set at? I, I, I don't want to be too cold. See? This is where I need you. I don't want to be too cold. I never would have thought that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it 72? Is it 72? Is, is, is it 68? 70? 69? What is it? You it's know? probably going to be a little bit lower because it's a little bit warmer. To, you know, like like lately, it's been a little bit warmer. Right, right, right. So you right. said a little bit lower. And I want to know who's in charge of the thermostat. That's what I want to know. It's Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just hitting buttons. He's just like, wait, this, yeah, this is it. No, because you know with the NFL, Super Bowl, I mean, the NFL just takes over. I mean, they went into Allegiant Stadium last week after, you know, going back a couple weeks ago when the Raiders had their last regular season game and they started, boom, getting in the new turf, you know, starting the paint jobs, all that other stuff and reconstructing some of the seating because it's going to be totally different. NFL takes over and Raiders personnel, Allegiant Stadium personnel, they're all getting like a back seat. NFL takes over all aspects. So not only from the in-game operation stuff, but the stadium stuff, you know, probably the food stuff, even though Allegiant Stadium has a contract, you know, I believe with Levy Foods and everybody, that will probably be a little bit different. But yeah, all these other things. So yeah, the invitation list is crazy to go to all these things. And you know me, I'm I'm a guy that likes to to go, but I don't like to like just not respond. So I feel like I need to respond to every one of these and say, well, sorry, you know, can't make this due to this or that or whatever. Yeah. I'm not one of those guys. Do they know know you're running a hall of fame? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? Like that's number one for you right now. (laughs) Yeah. We get this radio show and get other things and the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, but if I can go to some of these things next week, I'm, Going to try try to go, but then I got to politely decline the ones I can't go. Can I borrow eight thousand one hundred eighty eight dollars? Uh, for what? Tickets to the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> it's the cheapest ticket right now. You said borrow. 
Borrow. Now, uh, if, we, uh, if we put you on the payment plan, how long would that take uh, to, to uh, pay back? I don't know. What's like $2 a week? I yeah, don't know. I was going to say that. A dollar a month for <laughs> dollar you. dollar a month. <laughs> As Kelly Leak said, we go to a dollar a game here. There you go. There's my Bad News Bears reference for the day. All right. Yeah, so plenty of Super Bowl stuff that we'll talk about, and that'll be fun uh, doing Radio Row. And we, again, we've we've done some of these uh, type of broadcasts uh, on the road. Those are always fun, and you can prepare as much as you want, but you throw it all out the window. Do you have any guests that you can announce now um, that are guaranteed already? No, not because no? that process just started. Yeah. Now I've got like our crew that I actually have to submit to get them in with day uh, passes and yeah. that sort of thing. So I've started that. So I know that, uh, you know, Marco D'Angelo will probably be joining us. Jay Schrader will be joining us, I believe, next Wednesday. Uh, per, per these guys get approved. Because, you know, they could have some hidden stuff out there. Now, hold on. That we don't know about. If they don't approve I mean, very, Schrader. Very strict. NFL is very strict. I mean, you got any, you know, uh, priors, uh, as you yeah. well know? Yeah. You know? I mean, you're not getting in. But, I mean, are you really going to deny Jay Schrader? Uh, well... That's probably not. That's I, Jay. I don't think he's. I, I don't think he's ever uh, upset anyone in the NFL. No. Yeah. I mean, maybe some defensive backs. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but no. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're we're working on that, and we'll announce the list, and uh, and some of it will be as we, uh, you know, as we roll in. Well, yeah, I know well. some of them are going to be like, oh, hey, yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. trying to schedule as much as we can yeah. to have some fun with that. But it'll be a great atmosphere, and we'll uh, we'll start that. We're going to do that next Wednesday and Thursday. So those are the two big days I, I, I want to be there with that. So I won't see you at all. I, I will see you. I'll see you Tuesday. Tuesday. We're going to do the show in studio on Tuesday. I didn't want to do Radio Road Tuesday because I'll just be getting back. And, and again, that's... And then I'm not going to see you again until Monday. That's accurate. That is accurate. You like that? That is great. Are we keeping score here or what? I like that. Wait, Monday I start my vacation. I'm going to need a vacation. Okay. Even Marky Mark said that. Yeah, you're going to need a vacation. That's good. You're going on a vacation. No, I'm not going on a vacation. No, you're, you're really I, I not. Again, like I said, I know you're not going on vacation. You know what? That would be a good time to go on a vacation before the WNBA season starts and everything. Yeah. I should. Where can I go? How about Curacao? Maybe I should go to Curacao. Go see Big Al. Oh, yeah. Oh, Big Al will be coming here, though. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Dusty just got back from here's, Curacao. Here's what you do. Yeah. Tell, tell Al. Yeah. Hey. I'll take your space. You take mine. You'll be good. I don't know if I want Al's space. I don't know what his space looks like. I like my own space. I know. You know what I mean? I know. I, I've had I've had FaceTime conversations with Big Al in his space. Not sure I want that space. Does it look at least ninety percent decent? I, I I can't tell. I mean because he's. I, I, I know I it's, see the, it's the normally boxes. Half. I usually see the top half of Al. That's all I see. Yeah, which isn't pretty. Which you know <laughs> sets us up perfectly for this. <laughs> It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Oh, uh, yes. This brings me joy to talk about this subject. Dan Campbell. At it again. You knew I was going to lead with Dan Campbell today, didn't you? Gotta love Dan. After yesterday, Marco and I, you knew we were going to lead with Dan Campbell. And again, people, remember, this is nothing new for me because he's been a target of mine for quite some time. While everyone else has fallen in love with the quirkiness and the lovability and the emotion of Dan Campbell, it's not flying for me because I'm not a fan of Dan Campbell. Sure, if I met him, I'm sure everything would be fine, great, but again. Aren't you afraid he's going to bite your knees off? It could be. He could be. That, that's a, a legitimate possibility. This guy's kind of a teddy bear, too, and you know, we go back to Hard Knocks last year and seen all that. But no, I mean, certain guys, like I say all the time, are head coaches, destined to be head coaches, and others try to be head coaches and Dan Campbell is one now maybe Dan Campbell could be good down the road but all the love and the talk about him potentially being the NFL coach of the year forget about it he was at it again 
As we know on Sunday, Dan Campbell, the gambler. Dan Campbell, the eagle master. The coach that wants to show everyone it's my way. Yes, Frankie Sinatra there. There's a reference for it. The coach who will not change his ways, even if it means going to cost his team the game and a chance to go to the Super Bowl. What we're talking about, if you didn't see the game, you you probably know because you've seen the highlights, but we'll recap it for you again. The Detroit Lions are playing the San Francisco 49ers. The Detroit Lions, a seven-point underdog. Not many people gave the Lions a chance. Playing outside and matching up with the 49ers. Barely beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the week before. Barely beating the Los Angeles Rams the week before that. And they're going into San Francisco against the number one seed and probably get drill pressed, right? Well, hey... Give Dan Campbell credit because he had his team ready to play. Give Jared Goff a lot of credit because he's had an incredible year, even though I've been Goffed in the past and made fun of Goff. But the Lions played well. They really played well, especially for about three-plus quarters. But midway through the third quarter, leading by 14, the Lions leading the 49ers in Santa Clara. At the home of the number one seed by two touchdowns, Campbell basically had a chance to go for the throat, end it, put this game away, and play against the clock. Because at that point in time, you could basically play against the clock. Just don't screw it up. Campbell opted to go for it on fourth and two at the 49ers 28-yard line. You got the scene here? All right, we're midway through the third quarter. Each team probably only has maybe three possessions left in the game. And you're going to kick a field goal, which would be a 45-yard field goal. No wind, no rain, beautiful weather there in Santa Clara. It's probably going to be good as gold, right? You have a chance to be up 17 points. The made field goal on this fourth down would make it a three-possession game. Instead, Dan Campbell says, no, we're going for it. Really? You're going to go for it. All right. They go for it. Jared Goff back to pass. Incomplete. Niners get the ball back at their 28-yard line. And you know what happens from there. Now, we go to the fourth quarter. Midway through the fourth quarter, where the Lions have another chance to extend their lead. All right. Well, actually, they're, they're trailing this time because they coughed it up here at this point in time. So I stand corrected. So the Niners now are, or rather, the Lions are trailing by three, and Dan Campbell opts on fourth and three at the Niners' 30-yard line to go for it again, to bypass a field goal. All right? That's what you're trying to do. This game would have been tied. 30-yard line, do the math, Numchuck, snap it seven, eight yards back, right? That is a 47, 48-yard field goal from a very good kicker, Michael Badgley, right? What happens? I'm going for it again. Instead of trying to tie this game up, nope. Another incompletion by Jared Goff and gives the ball to San Francisco. And what do the Niners do? They drive right down the field for virtually the game-winning touchdown that put San Francisco up by 10 points, and that was it. Yes, the Lions got a meaningless touchdown in the prevent defense that the Niners gave them in the final minute of the game, and that was it. No excuses. I do not want to hear about analytics that this was the thing that Dan Campbell should have done. Of course, he should not have done this. Because remember, like I said before, there is no such thing as analytics in football. You're not facing a left-handed pitcher. You're not a left-handed hitter facing a left-handed pitcher. All right? You're not seeing split-finger fastballs here late in the game. No. The stats, not the analytics, the stats say that Campbell goes for it on fourth down more than any other coach in the NFL. Dan Campbell goes for it on 33% of the time on fourth down. You know the NFL average is? 20%. 20%. All of those numbers are up from where it used to be, but Dan Campbell's a gambler. He obviously doesn't take into account time, score, and situation. Because those are the things that you should be looking at. Where am I at in the time of the game? What is the current score? Oh, and by the way, what is the situation? Is this going to put us up? 
three scores? Is this going to put us up two scores? Is it going to tie the game? And what's going to happen if we don't get it? Where is the team going to get the ball? Oh, and by the way, give them the mojo as well, too. Yes. Here's the general rule. Don't pass up guaranteed points. And anything in the NFL these days, under 50 yards, anything in the 40-yard range, that is automatic points. Guaranteed points. Don't pass up guaranteed points when you can be up by another full score. Plain simple, right? Just don't go against that rule. You know what that is? It's called simple common sense. Surely Dan Campbell doesn't have that. Let's go back to the Dallas game, which we've referenced many, many times. He cost his team the game against Dallas. You kick the extra point, you you go and you score a touchdown, and you're down by one point. Dan Campbell doesn't want to kick the PAT and send the game to overtime. No, no, no. He wants to go for two and try to win. All right? What happens? You failed. You missed. All right? And you cost your team a game. Could have cost your team a home playoff game or two. But luckily, Dallas lost. So it didn't cost you really too much. But the point of the story is, you lose your momentum. You got an extra L in your in your loss column when you could have had a win or at least play, especially when you kick the extra point. You got the momentum and the regulation, and you probably got you know the better de- uh, offense on that day against Dallas. So you, you go for it. That's what you do. You go for overtime. So you do that in that game, and now you get to this game. It's playoff time with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It's a pretty big deal, especially for the Detroit Lions. Go to a Super Bowl, one which the franchise has never been to. Your team is leading. You're dominating. And what do you do? You give a superior team like the San Francisco 49ers a golden opportunity to take the game away. I should change that. More like... You gave it away. You gave them a game on the silver platter. You did. Plain and simple. This cannot be understated enough. For those people out there that are still thinking, well, that's who he is. That's what he should do. No. Just because that's who you are doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. You're going to tell a criminal that? Well, that's who you are. That's what you're going to do. You got no future. Yeah. You've been in and out of slammer. That's what you do. You steal. You're that kind of guy. No. Dan Campbell makes these reckless decisions, and people think it's cool. And when he goes for it, makes it. It's like, look at that. But look at the situation, especially when you're in a playoff game, you're in a conference championship game, and you are up 14 points, and you got a chance to be up 17. More than likely, the Niners probably don't come back. You gave the the Niners the momentum. They went down, scored a touchdown on both of those occasions. On the two fourth down opportunities that Dan Campbell blew. San Francisco was in trouble. After the first miscue, San Francisco scored two touchdowns in two minutes and 15 seconds. San Francisco was dead in the water. Niner fans will tell you. They were ready to be eliminated. Fans were heading to the exits into next season. It was done. Until Dan the Man striked. Or should we say, strikes out. Not once, but twice. So yes, Lions fans, if you're wondering just a couple seasons ago if Dan Campbell was the right guy for you, and now you turned around and said, yeah, he's the right guy. After witnessing this, do you still think he's the right guy? Because I never thought he was the right guy. And now he's proving that with a talented team where everything kind of went their way this year, he single-handedly cost him an opportunity to be in Las Vegas this week and play for a Super Bowl championship. First time in the playoffs since 1957, and it ends courtesy of Dan Campbell. So let's throw Lamar Jackson under the bus, too. Since everybody wants to talk about Lamar Jackson and how great he is, MVP, I'm telling you, if, if everyone just dismisses... What Lamar Jackson has done in the playoffs, especially what happened last Sunday, you're nuts. Because this guy cannot win a big game. His playoff scenario has been this way for a long, long time and continues to be so. Now 2-4 and four in playoff games with more turnovers than touchdowns. That's Lamar Jackson. He seemed tentative. 
Didn't seem like himself. Why? Because it's a big game. It's a championship game. Ravens haven't been to the Super Bowl under Lamar Jackson. Heck, they haven't been to a championship game under Lamar Jackson. And guess what? It didn't happen again because of Lamar Jackson. Yes, inaccuracy, lack of leadership, sitting by himself on the sidelines, slamming the helmet down, not talking to his offense coordinator, head coach, or quarterback coach during the course of the game while the other side had Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and those superstars that are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Baltimore laid an egg. Yeah, a lot of it's John Harbaugh's fault, but a lot of it is Lamar Jackson's fault. Heck, a lot of it goes on to Zay Flowers as well. Granted. But Lamar Jackson, if you're going to be MVP and you're going to mention this guy as your most valuable player, then you got to win these games. You can't throw interceptions in the end zone. You can't do it. You can't make ill-advised reads. Yes, Lamar Jackson hurt this team almost as much as Dan Campbell hurt the Detroit Lions in that game. All right. How about this? Patriots wide receiver, Kayshawn Boutte, been arrested on felony and misdemeanor charges related to illegally online gambling. Boutte is alleged of creating an online fraudulent gaming account while he was under the age of 21 and illegally placing bets. Not just bets. We're talking sports bets here, but thousands of bets. Just how many bets? Over 8,000 bets. 8,900 bets this guy made and wagered over $600,000. 17 of his bets were on college football games. Mm. While at LSU, under 21, six of those bets were on LSU football games. Booty turned himself in, Boutte turned himself in on charges of computer fraud, which is a felony, and a misdemeanor count of gaming prohibited for persons under the age of 21. So, yes. Where's he getting that kind of cash? This guy's in college when he was doing all this stuff. Now, granted, when he joined the NFL, he has continued to bet. But, man... This is a crazy story, and this is why the NFL was so reluctant to partner up with these gaming companies. You know, this is a DraftKings situation that he was betting through in Louisiana. Big betting state, by the way, as well as we know. Our good friend Mattress Mac unloads a lot of bets in Louisiana. But yeah, under 21, that kind of cash, over 8,000 bets... Over $600,000. By the way, he ended up losing about half a million dollars. All right. Those are some terrible Tuesday takes. We'll uh, hit some more for you a little bit later on in the show. If you got some, hit me at TCMartin21. We come back. We're going to talk a little baseball. We know it's a little off-season here. But uh, visiting uh, with a couple of our Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers today, former Yankee, former Nats hitter, Nick Johnson is going to join us when we come back. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at Thunder Valley Casino. Meet and greet the class of 2024. Matt Barnes, James Donaldson, Leon Lee, and Jamie Whitmore. Don't miss Sacramento's best sports night of the year. Food served between 6 and 7 p.m. Live entertainment with comedian Dennis Caxiola. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration Sunday night, February 4th. All info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. This is five-time NBA champion Bill Cartwright. When I'm in town, I always listen to T.C. Martin. You should, too. All right, we talk a little baseball this segment. Mm -hmm. Yes. With the newest member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, his hometown, my hometown, and uh, always great because we know that Sacramento has such a legendary list of not only baseball players but athletes in general. And uh, this time of year, we always celebrate our Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers. So let's bring on a guy who had a fantastic Major League Baseball career. 12 years in the bigs with the Yankees, the Nationals, along with Baltimore and Cleveland. Uh, one of the best hitters that Sacktown 
has ever seen before, and he proved this in the bigs uh, for those 12 years. Nick Johnson joins us now. Nick, what's going on, brother? Not much. Thanks for having me on, TC. Hey, always good, man. Always good. And uh, so, if uh, you know you don't, uh, if you're around Sacramento or maybe even Vegas, you can find Nick at a golf course. Okay, that's where you can find Nick. I'd say most of the time since he retired as a major leaguer. Would you say that's pretty accurate, Nick? That is true. That is true. I'm, uh, I got to kill time somehow, so I'm always <laughs> working on my game or or, uh, or playing 18. So, how much of that is to like just escape the house and everything? Because you got fatherhood going, man. You're a great husband and everything. How how much of that that golf is like? Okay, I I, I got to escape out of the house, man. Or how much well, of it is that you're an addict to golf? Oh, I love it. Uh, something to compete at, but I, I got to play from, I got to be ready to go about three thirty Cause that's when all the, uh, the kids are done and drive them to sports and everything. So I usually get out and play in the morning so I can uh, get back and, uh, be an Uber driver. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, I, I, I hope those guys that tip you well, Nick, and, and give you five stars as well, too. <laughs> working on it oh, all right man hey let's talk a little bit about um you know being retired and everything and i know that uh you know you had yourself a, a fantastic career and you still stay close to the game you still follow it pretty closely who are those teams that you still keep an eye on is it just automatic that you follow the teams that that used to play for specifically the yankees and the nats i do i keep i, I keep an eye on a lot of the teams, but, uh, you know, just like I said, I'm running around and it's seven o'clock by the time I get home. So I usually, I turn the giant game on. I always got that going. Yeah. Uh, that's the latest game going and, uh, just try to stay in tune to, to what's going on. I let it, you know, the kids enjoy the game as well. So it's something to wind the night down with. Mm -hmm. Growing up in Sacramento, you know, long list of baseball players that we have in SAC, as you well know, and, and you're right in line with a lot of those guys. Uh, talk about some of those early years for you and who mentored you and who just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you shared time with or at least wanted to kind of maybe be like, idolized and, and that sort of situation. Uh, I would say the guys around here, the older guys, uh, Greg Vaughn, Derek Lee, those, those guys were already in the big leagues by the time I, uh, you know, got drafted. And uh, we'd work out together in the offseason. They, you know, you don't know really what it takes. They've been through it. And, and those guys were great. They never big league, the, the, the youngsters trying to work. And uh, they always brought us along. And uh, it was special because it's a different type of, you know, you can't you can work out on your own. Or these guys get after it, and it was good to uh, be a part of. And here's the thing, too, and I know that you'll attest to this as well. Is like when you're like from Sacramento, and it's, it's there are other probably towns that are like this or cities like this as well too. When in Dusty would always talk about this, it didn't matter if it was somebody that he actually played with or competed against, or if it was years later. You know, Sacramento had this like this bond with players. And again, whether it was, you know, a, a big age gap of five, 10, 20 years, it didn't matter. Dusty managing and a Sacramento kid would come up. There was always this bond and there never seems to be anybody big time in anybody. Right. Wouldn't you say that? Oh, never, never. Even, even when you're playing against them, uh, you know, you, Harry Dunlap, yeah, I, uh, uh, he, he would, you know, it, you don't know him really well, but he's a sack guy. And during the year, you're out and you're shooting the breeze before batting practice, or anybody from Zach is like you just connect with and and uh, spend a little time with, even on the road. It's it's good to see some Zach people out when you're in the back, you know, back east somewhere, and just shoot the breeze for a little bit. You know, we talk to Dusty quite a bit, and obviously he's on the show's close friend. And you know what he accomplished as a player and as a manager is it's it's second to none. Uh, talk a little bit about any of the experiences that that you've had with Dusty, and and you know we all felt like, hey man, it was it was so cool for him to finally get that World Series championship as a manager. Awesome. About um, uh, when he was with the Nationals, I went down there for uh, spring training. Uh, for two weeks and, and just, uh, just a great guy. Um, run a 
you know, does well with ball clubs. He's a Hall of Fame manager, right? Mm-hmm. No, no doubt. So, very, uh, very special guy. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I got a chance. That was really my time that I got the chance to go spend a lot of time at Nats Park in Washington, D.C., you know, for those years that, that he was, um, you know, managing there. And, uh, you know, you went to Washington, you played there. Uh, I was, I always enjoyed, you know, uh, DC, especially when they moved out of RFK Stadium and to Nats Park there. And I know you got a lot of history with that team there, but, uh, that's an area and an organization that I, I really enjoyed in, in the times that I got a chance to, to go visit. Yeah, it was great. Uh, when we went, came back in 05, uh, there was electricity in that stadium. It was it was great, and then it was, we did play at RFK, and, and uh, I enjoyed it. I like I like old stadiums, and uh, moving to in uh, what was it oh six? We moved into the uh, new one, I think it was, and uh, it was great. Fans are great, great city. Uh, I'm just happy they uh, they got one from my buddy Zimmy. Yeah, right. uh, you know they got a World Series over there, so. Uh, just happy and proud of, proud of those guys. Yeah. So speaking of that, for those that don't know, uh, first game in Nats Park, Nick Johnson knocks in the first RBI in Nats Park, and that, that's that's history, man. I don't know if you if you thought much about that, like when it happened, or you know, again, you guys playing you know your first game in there, but uh, that that was a pretty big deal. And what do you think about that when that happened? It was it was pretty cool. Uh, they haven't had baseball there in a long time, and uh, you know the fans were great. I, I think you know it's uh, funny. It's my my uncle. I think he got I think he got the first uh, first hit at uh, something at uh, Veterans Stadium. Yes. I'd have to look it up to be he did. sure. He but. did. You're right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember when we, uh, uh, you know, inducted him, and we talked about that uh, in his um, uh, video tribute as well. And those don't know, we're talking to Nick Johnson, former Major League ball player for twelve years, and his uncle, by the way, Larry Boa. So we've got to talk about that man. I mean, that that's some not only Sacramento ro- baseball royalty, but of course Philadelphia Phillies royalty. Uh, you know, even Cub fans love Larry Boa when he played there. Talk a little bit about that relationship and and how old were you when you actually realized oh man my my uncle he's he's a big time dude man i mean not in stature we know but uh but definitely it's like hey man this this guy's famous i would say in high school as i got older um i was able to spend more time you know when when they he would come with philly out here when i got older you know 16 junior in high school or whatever I'd be able to go take ground balls, I'd hit in the cages, and just be around those guys. It was it was special, and just watch them. And uh, yeah, as I got older in the game more, I'd talk to them. I'd put things on them about the game, and we just talked baseball. And until today, I mean, I still talk to him two, three times a day. So it's uh, it's great. He's down in Florida right now, getting ready for another spring training. And uh, we have a great relationship. Yeah. All right, man. Let's talk about you being drafted. You got drafted by the New York Yankees. And, you know, you spent a few years in the minors. And then you get called up in 2001 right in the midst of those World Series championships. The Yankees had won three in a row. And your teammates are none less than Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, Roger Clemens, just to name a few. And I know I'm, uh, you know, forgetting another, you know, whether future Hall of Famers, current Hall of Famers. But what was that like? A kid from SAC, and you get drafted by the Yankees, Giants fan, West Coast guy. Not only are you going to the Big Apple, but you're you're amongst royalty there. It was uh, it was awesome. You know, I. Uh... I didn't have a lot of time. I got the phone call early in the morning and uh, got on a plane and ended up in Texas and got in probably about five. And Nick, you're starting. So it was uh, just go out there and, and uh, not try to make a fool out of myself and, and, and do something to help the ball club. But being around those pros and, and just they were great guys, too, even off the field and just watching them work and, and uh, you know, just – being able to uh, 
watch how they go about batting practice and, and, and their craft. It, it was special. So Nick, when you join a team like that, and again, you're, you know, you're taking balls from, from Derek Jeter. Is that there had to be a little like, okay, kid in a candy store, you know, I don't want to say intimidation factor, but how'd you go about like, like fitting in, you know, in that situation with that, those great guys and that great talent? Don't talk a lot. Just watch yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, just try to fit in and, and, uh, just, you know, just play the game. It's still the same game, right? You got uh, 90 feet, but uh, the stakes are higher, and uh, it's all about winning there. And uh, don't forget to uh, shave. That's a big thing. <laughs> I, I remember I uh, had like a, a little uh, one- or two-day growth hmm. on my face, and, and we're out for stretch. And uh, Derek says, hey, Nick, what, Nick, what we got going here? And then I got the point, and that's all he had to say. After batting practice, went in, made sure it was uh, pretty tight on my face. <laughs> now, how difficult was that? Because obviously you weren't in that kind of routine. It, it, was it a daily thing for you? Was it every other day? I mean, how how, how strict was the policy? And, and, and uh, I don't know, like I said, if you're a high T or low T guy, you know, with hair growth, man, but what's the dealio? Uh, it's it's an everyday thing, and and I love I love it. I I I, um, I hope they keep it around forever. I just think it's uh, the way uh, the boss wanted it, and uh, it's the way it goes there. Mm-hmm. Which one of those guys had the biggest impact on you of all those guys with the Yanks? Oh wow, I would say. Um, well, you know, Chuck Knobloch was uh, really good. I had, we, we would, uh, I would hit in this group, and uh, you know, sometimes you want to launch a ball in batting practice, right? And uh, he goes in my group. We don't hit homers, and uh, we work on our swing and hit line drives, gap to gap. And uh, from then on, all he called me was Homer. No <laughs> homers in BP. So he, he was uh, really big in, in that, and, and uh, um, I played with Alfonso Soriano. He was a uh, heck of a teammate. I've never seen him without a smile on his face. Uh, Derek Jeter just did it the right way all the time. It was it was it was a good team. Yeah. Nick Johnson joins us. Had those years with the Yankees, and then after the Yankees. Uh, you got traded uh, to Montreal, and you spent one year there before going to Washington. That seems like a little bit of a culture shock, especially for, like we said, a, a West Coast kid. Now you're going to the Big Apple, and you're playing for championships. You're in a World Series, uh, especially there in, in 2001. Uh, talk a little bit about, not just from a baseball perspective, of going to Montreal, but the lifestyle and the living style that you had to go through during that year. Very tough. Oh uh, three, we're in the World Series, playing in front of fifty five thousand. Next year, you know, uh, you're playing in front of seventy five hundred on a good night, and uh, you have to. You know, I didn't have a car. You're li- you're taking the train in, so I just try to get with a couple guys and and try to make the transition as easy as possible because I'm not good with. Uh, a lot of change and uh, the last thing you need to worry about is how am I getting to the park and the stress of that, the, the, the ball game's enough. And uh, it was a tough year, but uh, you know, you got to go do it. You got to get on the field and compete. Did you learn any French? I didn't. <laughs> now, I how, much, how much of that is, is true? Cause I've never been to Montreal. And back then, I mean, w- was there a language barrier there, or how much was it that you were running into people with English speaking versus French speaking? Be honest with you, TC, I didn't do a lot besides go from my from my building and hop on the uh, I don't know what they call it there now, right. like a subway, right, and go straight to the park. Yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't really do a lot, and then I got injured. I, I broke my uh, eye socket in. Uh, in August, and I was done. But uh, it was uh, – you made the best out of it. Yeah, yeah. And then those years in Washington, uh, fantastic. Six straight seasons with an on-base percentage of over 400. And, you know, Nick, 
that 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 was that's a big stat, and it's probably more of a bigger stat in today's game where you know that is is, is hyped up and you know like with slugging percentage and this and that. But again, you know, you were always hitting around two ninety, three hundred. You had that discipline at the plate. Uh, you, a lot of base on balls. You were, you know, talk about how that wasn't real popular for a lot of uh, players, especially in your era, because the guys wanted to hit, man. They wanted to jack, but you were really concentrating on getting on base. Where did that come from? Yeah, I've had it my whole life. I even going back to the little league or high school. I just wouldn't swing if it was, you know, if it, uh, if it was off the plate. And as I got older, you know, talking with my uncle, he'd be watching the game and I'd be taking these pitches and, and we'd talk after games and he'd be like, just because it's two inches off the plate doesn't mean you can't drive that run in from third. And it was, it was hard. I felt the more pitches I saw in that bat, not against the real good pitchers. But the more pitches I saw in that bat, the more comfortable I got within that bat. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, of course. It, with, with the aces out there, you don't want to get behind too too much because they got some filthy stuff, and and uh, you're battling uphill. All right, man, you got to got to give us one here. Uh, who was that guy that when you got in the on deck circle, and he was he was he was he was tough, man. Maybe you didn't have much success with where you just kind of said, ah, damn, I'm going to face this guy again. Who was who that toughest ace that that? Maybe I don't say had your number, but oh yeah, who who was that? I, Give me one or two guys. I uh, when I, when I was playing, I knew five days out who we were facing mm-hmm. just by rotations, and and uh, so you could pretty much have in your head the next five starters. My guy was uh, Jamie Moyer. Oh no, yes, <laughs> and, lollipop, uh, Jamie. I, Come on, man. <laughs> no, I was like, I think it was over twenty one, and after a while, I started seeing him come along, and I knew I was going to get a day off until the sixth inning. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's, come on, Moyer wasn't throwing anymore in probably eighty three, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you just yeah eighty three, eighty five. You could move it, sink right. it, cut it. Yeah, and uh, he'd make you go back to your room and just stare at the walls. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Jamie Moyer, Notre Dame guy too, from what I remember. Oh, jeez. All right. Who's that guy that you just, come on, man, you licked your chops. You said, oh, yeah. Oh, come on. I own this guy. Who's that, man? Uh, there was a couple of relievers from uh, Jeff Geary. And uh, Jeff Geary, he, he liked his fastball. He would come in as a two-pitch guy. And uh, I saw it well off him. And uh, he loved his fastball. He could run his fastball up there a little bit. And uh, I just didn't seem to miss a lot. But um, you know, there's some guys you see better than others. Yeah. And uh, you might not have success, but you, you see it well. And uh, the numbers might not be there, but that's the way the game goes. Yeah. Man, you went through a lot of injuries, and that's kind of a, a big part of your story. And maybe your career would have, uh, you know, extended if it wasn't for the injuries with the, you know, the, the broken leg that, you know, we saw, um, you know, crashing into one of your teammates. I mean, that was brutal. And then the wrist injuries that you had towards the end of your career. Describe a little bit about the frustration level, especially for a guy like you who is the ultimate competitor. Yeah, it was, it was frustrating, but, um, yeah, I try to play the game hard and, and play it right. And, um, you know, the injury is a part of it. The broken leg was a fluke, you know, yeah. a fluke thing down the uh, right field line. It was a tweener ball where the right fielder couldn't call it. I couldn't call it, and, and I snapped my leg on that one. And then the wrist problems, you know, I, I probably hit too much, to be honest with you, but I needed to – I needed to feel good when I got in the batter's box. I had to feel like my swing was there. A lot of people had told me, hey, back off on the swings, and, and uh, not as much. But there was only one way for me to do it, and that's, you know, feeling good, hitting, working on your craft. And, and uh, my wrist just uh, ruptured my tendon in my wrist my, in 2011. And tried to come back from that without having a tendon. A doctor told me, hey, man, I don't know. Um, how you're going to do this. I said, I'll figure it out. 
and uh, that was in 2012. And finally, I just had no grip strength. If I squared the ball up in 2012, I was great. But as soon as I miss, if I swung and missed in at bat, I couldn't even shake your hand. I had no grip strength. Wow. Now, has that uh, affected your golf game at all today? TC, I golf right-handed. <laughs> So a little weird. No, so dad, I, it's that's, weird. I know a lot of lefties that golf right-handed, and that's that's. That, I don't know, man. I don't get it, but yeah, that's kind of. We see that more often than not, don't we? Yeah, I. You know, some of these um, you know, these tournaments, a lefty will be out there and say, "I want to see you hit left-handed," and I, I can't hit it off the tee. But I'm lucky I play right-handed because uh, my right it's my right wrist and and. Uh, if I chunk a ball or, or hit it out of the rough, I could feel it a little bit. But uh, left-handed, it would kill me with the uh, what is it, pronation. That would that would I don't think I'd be able to play. What's the handicap right now, man? A good six. Ooh, don't... I, I, I try to I try to get a couple extra from the guys I play with, but they're a tough crowd. Oh, I'll say, man, you're, and I'm sure you're hustling too. I, I hope you're I hope you're hustling some of these guys. Come on, man. <laughs> No, I'm the worst. I'm the worst out of the group we play in. So I, I got to. Uh, I have to lock in when we go. Final thing for you, Nick. Uh, induction into the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. You've been to our events before. You know uh, very well the company that uh, that you're joining. A lot of the previous guys. Uh, what's it mean to you, my friend? It's an honor. Uh, with all the great talent that comes out of Sacramento, I'm just uh, blessed to be able to. Spend it with the other guys, yourself, and just have a great time that night. You got it. All right, man. We got to get you to Vegas too, because as you know, we got some great golf courses here, man. But more importantly, we've got some great food food spots, and that's where I excel in, Nick. So you got to get over here. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, appreciate the time, brother. Uh, looking forward to seeing you, and uh, appreciate the time, and uh, c- uh, congratulations on a fantastic career. Thanks, DC. There you go. Nick Johnson, one of the best. One of the best from Sacktown. Falls in line with so many of the other great baseball players from our area. All right. We come back. We continue on with more Sack Sports Hall of Fame talk and guests.